my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Mark Moss Show. We are talking about the decentralized revolution. Of course, we're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. We're looking at through the lens of the world today. We're looking at politics, finance, technology, and seeing how it's all making sense. And when we look at the world through that lens, we can all agree that it is wild, never a dull moment, uh, which is good for people like me who sit here and try to talk for hours and hours because it gives me plenty of stuff to talk about. There's a quote that I often use because uh, every day I'm reminded of how real it is, and it's um, by somebody who I shouldn't be quoting, but Vladimir Lenin uh, from uh, Russian history, who was uh, infamously, uh, you know, a bad ruler. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Um, but uh, he said that there's decades where nothing seems to happen, and then there's days where decades seem to happen, and that's about where we're at. And uh, in the financial markets, the Fed um, raising rates again this week, um, you know, how high will they continue to raise rates? The markets are crashing. How will they, how far will they continue to crash? Um, the cryptocurrencies are market, uh, markets are melting down. Will they disappear forever or will they still be there in the future? Is now a time to buy the dip or not? I mean, there's just a never ending amount of things to talk about. And so I appreciate that because it gives me lots of things to talk about. And uh, you need to be paying attention more than ever before. Because we don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's more uncertain than it's ever been. We have we have we have landmines, we have potential triggers all over the world. And if we start on a big macro scale and then get down into more of like what I would consider macro, which is like a micro now, if we start really big, I mean we got three potential nuclear situations that we're dealing with between Russia between uh, between uh, Israel and uh, Iran and between Taiwan and China, three. And and they could all happen in the next like six to nine months. It's like that close. So that's really big. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, the European Union about to break up with countries going bankrupt. We have Credit Suisse about to blow up, which could take Italy, Malta, Spain, Portugal, Italy, um, Greece with it. That's bad. Um, Japan is about to have to start dumping U.S. treasuries um, or have its currency completely blow up, which would then pull the U.S. down. Um, so 
Hopefully I'm not depressing you too bad. But in that backdrop of that macro, of course, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are taking a hit as well as U.S. stocks are. The NASDAQ is down. The S&P 500 is down. The S&P 500 is holding up pretty good because of one company. So the S&P 500 is weighted. And the biggest company in there, which is Apple, that makes up the biggest chunk of that weight, has been holding up pretty well. And because it's holding up pretty well, it's keeping that up with it. But don't let that fool you. Danger is there. And of course, like I said, the, the cryptocurrency space, space, which is way more volatile, including Bitcoin, is, uh, is barely hanging on. And a lot of people have been asking me, where, where will Bitcoin go? Should I buy now? How far will it go down? The answer is we don't know. That's the answer we don't know. What we can do is we could try to look at a bunch of different indicators and tools. We can look at history and we can try to use it as our guide. So let's look at a little bit of history here. So what we can see is that um, throughout, uh, throughout Bitcoin's uh, life, uh, over the last dozen or so years, it's been volatile. You know that. You know that already. You hear that all the time, right? It's volatile, it's volatile, volatile. So it goes up and down. Now, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, if it wasn't volatile, volatility works both ways. It goes up and down. So how would it go from zero to, what's it at now, you know, 20, 21,000 ish? How would it go from zero to 21,000 if it wasn't volatile? And the answer is it wouldn't. It would just be at zero. And so it's a good thing. Um, but if you're staring at it on a short-term basis, uh, it, it could be dangerous. And so if we look at that, we can see that there's been some big crashes throughout its history. And as a matter of fact, um, we, 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 I thought we'd look at some of the biggest ones in history. Now, the biggest one in Bitcoin's history doesn't really count. In my opinion, it's like an outlier. I want to kind of remove it, but that's in 2011. So Bitcoin had just got going, um, and it went from uh, $2 all the way to $30, all right? And it basically was worth an ounce of silver which was a pretty big deal for something brand new, all right? But at the time, there was no industry, right? There was no, there was no Coinbase. There was, there was no places to get it. There was one exchange, and it was uh, Mt. Gox. You might have heard of Mt. Gox before. It famously blew up. People lost a lot of money. It was the largest Bitcoin exchange in the world, and they admitted that criminals had hacked hundreds of accounts and stole millions of dollars worth of Bitcoins in a single day, and the value of Bitcoin fell to a one penny to a penny. So that was pretty bad. It was a 99% drop down. But like I said, that's kind of like an outlier. Bitcoin had just got going. It was only worth two bucks. Um, you know, basically, um, you know, millions of Bitcoins were stolen a single day. The only exchange there was crashed. Um, nobody knew what the heck it was and, and, and the value fell. So that's kind of an outlier. If, if we put that one aside, okay, then let's go from there. So then in, in August, 2012, um, we learned that there was a classic Ponzi scheme updated for the digital age that had been bilking crypto investors for months, promising incredible returns of 7% a week. Um, and uh, they had stolen over 700,000 Bitcoin at the time by, by deception. And that caused Bitcoin to crash um, by about 56%. That's pretty big, over half. Um, the big one, there's two big ones, and these ones are more relative. April 2013, Bitcoin was a victim of its own success. Investors piled in. This is when it had first caught my eye. I saw Bitcoin going up, 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 up. Um, and uh, th this is the first time it caught my eye. I was like, maybe I should buy it. I see it going up. I think this could be a big thing. It was a new opportunity. Everyone was excited. It started to buzz in, in, in kind of like the not mainstream media, but kind of underground media. Um, Trading was so intense that Mt. Gox couldn't handle the volume, and when it crashed, then hackers attacked the vulnerability, and it forced Mt. Gox into an unprecedented total shutdown. Again, back to early, early days. One exchange, super fragile, no redundancy. Today, if one exchange goes down, no big deal. There's 50 more, right? But we can buy it on PayPal and Venmo, I mean, right? Um, but back then, there was one. There was no redundancy. So when it went down, it sent prices from 260 all the way down to 50 bucks. That was an 83% drawdown. December 2013, um, China banned it. <laughs> One of the, like 13 times that China has banned Bitcoin. Um, and China banned Bitcoin at the end of 2013, and it lost 50% of its value overnight, according to The Guardian. Um, of course, like I said, it was like one of like 13 times they've done it. As a matter of fact, in 2021, they banned all Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining went to zero in China, and now it's back up to like 20% of where it was before. So they just keep trying, but they can't stop it. Um, let that be a lesson. No, no, no uh, nation can stop it. 
And so it dropped 50% of the time uh, uh, from there, 50% from the time. So uh, we have, uh, besides the original outlier, like had barely got off the ground, we have a 56% um, when there was the big hack from the Ponzi scheme, 50% when uh, China banned it, 83% when, again, Mt. Gox um, crashed and had this big hack because it was the only game in town. So you're starting to see a trend here, 83%. Then more recent times, everybody remembers this. This one is the um, this is the biggest crash that we've had to date in history. If we if we if we get rid of that first one, and this is December 2017. So this is when Bitcoin really came onto the scene. I started buying it in 2015, so I got the benefit of 2015. I think it was about 300 bucks when I started. 2016, 2017. I think the year started out 2017 about a thousand dollars. And by the end of that year, it had gone to 20,000. So that's a 20x return inside of one year, which is amazing. If you've ever been around investing, that is like unbelievable returns. It was like 19,000 and change. It broke every record. It peaked near 20,000. Uh, we also saw um, the legitimacy of Bitcoin because the futures exchange, CME, brought out futures, which then legitimized it. Um, it started getting real mainstream press. Um, but then... A couple things happened. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, it was a full-on attack against Bitcoin. There was three powers that be that seemed to conspire and come against Bitcoin at the exact same time, and that caused it to crash. I'll tell you about those three things and how far it crashed and what we can learn from that as we look at the next two crashes. By the way, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the, the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the market crash that's going on right now. And, and we're looking at some history to get some perspective as to where things are going next. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to talk about that and more, and then we'll use that as a guide to see where Bitcoin could go and is now a good time to buy or not. All right, I'll be back with that and more in a minute. You don't want to miss it, so don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about the decentralized revolution. That's right. We are talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the financial markets, and we're trying to make sense of it to know, is it cheap? Is it expensive? Should we buy? Should we not? Is it going to go down further or not? And so much more. We're talking about um, the biggest crashes in Bitcoin's history. I'm not going to go back through all that. If you're not, if you if you missed it, I'm sorry. Um, don't miss it again. <laughs> if you're not driving, pull out your phone. Put a reminder for this date, this time, this channel. Make sure you tune in with me each and every week. And if you missed it, don't worry. Don't worry. I got your back. Um, you can just catch it on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss Podcast. You can find it on the iHeartRadio app. You can find it on Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Check that out. And if you wouldn't mind, I would really appreciate a favor, and that would be whether you go listen to the podcast or not, well, could you do me a big favor? You know I'm out here working hard for you each and every week. If you would just go like it and leave me a good review, that would be greatly appreciated. Small little favor. Thank you. All right. Now, uh, just for that, I'm going to recap it. So 90, uh, 2011, 99% drawdown. But that was because Bitcoin had just got off the ground. It was the, there was only one place to buy it. There was the biggest hack. stole all the money. Okay, 2012, 56%, 2013, 83%. But again, the only exchange in town, Max Gox, Mount Gox was shut down. Um, December 2013, China banned it, dropped 50%. I was just at December 2017. Now, I said that there was uh, three powers that be that conspired against it. So Bitcoin had gone uh, in a bull run, 2015, 2015, 16, and 17. It started January 2017 at 1,000. And by December, it was... uh, Oh, just under 20,000, 19,000 and change. Now, what happened is, um, oh, I mean, come on, this is simple, right? Markets stop going up when there's no more buyers. Simple. Markets also stop going down when there's no more sellers. So as the prices were going up, 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 it started sucking in more buyers, sucking in more buyers, sucking in more buyers. Everyone was like, oh, uh, I'm getting rich. I bought it at 4,000. Now it's at 6,000. I bought it at 6,000. Now it's 8,000. And everybody wants to jump in. We, as, as humans, we're very simple. We rush towards pleasure and we run from pain. So everyone's getting rich. I want that pleasure. I'm buying. And so as it's going up, it starts sucking in more people, more people, more people. But eventually it starts running out of people to suck in. It kind of gets all the people that kind of believe in this tech and they're willing to take some risk and their investors, but it starts running out of people. But then the attack came. What's the attack? No, it's not the futures. What happened is simultaneously, the the new buyers, remember markets stopped going up with those newer buyers, the new buyers were taken out of the system. How? What does that mean? Well, if you don't hear about it and you don't know about it, how would you buy it? And the answer is you wouldn't. And so we saw Facebook and Google simultaneously ban all advertising. So now you weren't allowed to talk about um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency on Google or any of their properties or Facebook or any of their properties. And so people were advertising and talking about it and people were hearing about it and buying it. So there's new buyers coming in. But as soon as they took away the ability to talk about it and advertise it, then no more buyers. And then simultaneously, the banks also attacked it. And so then no banks would allow you to transfer money to a cryptocurrency um, institution. They wouldn't let you transfer money. They wouldn't let you buy it off of your credit card. And so then they made it where you couldn't put money in. So even if you heard about it, which you couldn't through Facebook or Google, but you heard about it through, through word of mouth, and then you tried to buy it on your own, then the banks blocked you. And it happened at the same time. So they took away the new buyers. And when you're going up at a certain trajectory, and you're sucking in all these what we call weak hands. So these are people that don't really understand what they're buying. If you know, if, if, you've, if you've been outside the country and you've seen the problems that the financial system has caused and you see how Bitcoin can solve that, you're a long-term holder, right? Um, you understand the value proposition of Bitcoin. But if you only bought because somebody told you if you buy it today, you can make 20% on it, then we call that a weak hand. You don't know what you bought. And so what happens is if, if uh, we start running out of buyers, they take away the ability to talk about it and advertise and, and put money into it. Well, then it starts going down. As soon as it starts going down, all those people that bought at the top, the weak hands that don't know what they're buying, they sell. 
Wait a minute. I was told I was going to get rich overnight. I was told I was going to make a thousand percent of my money and I didn't. And now I'm actually losing money. I don't like this. And they start selling. And so just that's why markets get parabolic at the top and they also crash really fast at the top. All those weak hands that came at the top that pushed it higher are the ones that sell at the top and push it back down. And that's exactly what happened. And Bitcoin ended up going down 84% from there. Uh, that was fun living through that. Not really, but actually it led me to you. So um, when they, when when uh, we were when when they stopped us uh, from any doing any doing uh, doing any advertising for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, um, then in 2018 I started a YouTube channel, and actually my business partner at the time. Um, had started a YouTube channel. I was doing videos with him. And then eventually, uh, mid-2018, I started a YouTube channel, which has now led to me having a podcast and me being on the radio talking to you right now. So um, I guess, you know, I guess it worked out for us at the end. Uh, but anyway, it got really boring going through that process. It dropped down 84%. Then we saw um, eventually hit the bottom and started climbing back up. And then there was another big crash. And this was March 2020. Of course, this is when the pandemic broke out. The pandemic broke out and the all the markets crashed. I mean, they shut down the entire economy, right? They took away people's businesses and livelihood and the entire market crashed. And of course, Bitcoin crashed as well. And Bitcoin crashed 50%. Now, something to keep in mind here is that when the when the uh, stock market started to crash, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, et cetera, which of course they're crashing because they shut down the whole world economy, um, they use something called circuit breakers. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Uh, basically, what the circuit breakers are is uh, it's like a it's a <laughs> it's part of the plunge protection team. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. The PPP plunge protection or PPT plunge protection team, and basically um, it's a team that protects the markets from plunging too fast. If you can believe that, um, and so um, then they trigger these circuit breakers. So if the market's dropping too fast, it trips the circuit breaker and it basically stops all trading. Is what happens, and so um, I think in March of 2020, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe. I believe it happened seven times. Seven times they had to stop the um, the, the the stock markets um, from from going down, and it still dropped thirty five percent. Okay, now Bitcoin didn't have any circuit breakers. There was no plunge protection team. Nobody was stopping it, and. Um, the story is, is that uh, one of the big exchanges where you could go short on it um, with leverage, um, BitMEX at the time, um, it actually, um, some of the bots that were doing this automatic trading were stuck shorting it and, and uh, the, the system froze up and they couldn't go in and close them. And I believe someone had to actually do a DDoS attack against BitMEX to take it down and get those bots from shorting it, um, which was pretty interesting. And so um, it had, had definitely had extreme circumstances, um, but if we ignore the circumstances, it dropped 50%, no plunge protection team, no circuit breakers. Uh, May of 2021, it dropped 53%. And that brings us to today. So uh, here we are today, and we have, um, we are down about 70% from the high as of right now. So how much further could it go? Well, the worst that we have in history, if we take out that original one from when it first started, um, then that means potentially we'd go back to the worst that we've ever seen. Would we go back down to um, 80, um, 80%, 85%? That would push us down to about 10 and a half, maybe 11,000-ish if we went down that far. But I don't know if we will. Um, we have a couple other indicators that can help us figure this out. I'm going to tell you about that in a minute, where the floor is on this, um, where maybe some good entries are and some things like that. Um, I'll be back with that in a more in a minute. You're listening to the Mark Ma show talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution. Um, and I'm going to come back and tell you where I think the price point is for Bitcoin that and more. Don't go away. I'll be right back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We are talking about the decentralized revolution. And I'm specifically talking about Bitcoin crashing. We just went through the history of the biggest crashes that we've seen in Bitcoin to date. And then we're comparing that to where we are. So um, as I said, uh, really, if we take out the, the, the one outlier, right when Bitcoin got started, there was only one place to buy it. It got hacked and there was a huge hack. And, and so we take that one out. If we take that out. We had an 83% crash in 2013 um, when the exchange crashed again. And then we had one in, uh, that was 83%. And then we had an 84% in December of 2017 when the banks took away the money and uh, the social media platforms took away the ability to um, advertise it. So 84% is the worst besides, like I said, that, that very first outlier. So if we go back to 84% from the high today, as I was making the case, that puts us, I'm kind of looking at the chart, that puts us at approximately 84%, about 10,800. So I'm not saying it's going to go down there, but I'm saying that would be the worst ever, which is about another, you know, 50, 60% drop from here, which isn't super fun. Now, we don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, we have no crystal wall. Now, uh, a better way to look at it is that um, there's something called a 200, um, moving average, 200 weekly moving average. And so what it does is it takes the price um, and it looks at it over a four-year period, which is an interesting time frame because Bitcoin has a halving cycle. So every four years, it the, the the amount of new Bitcoin being produced every day gets cut in half. The supply cuts in half. So supply and demand. If the demand stays the same, the supply gets cut in half. What happens to the price? It goes up, right? And so... Um, the, the 200 um, weekly moving average moves along with that four-year time frame. And when we, when we zoom out and we look at Bitcoin, um, 
it's only gone through this 200 weekly moving average um, like twice and just very, very briefly. So it looks like back here in like 2018, it just kind of barely dipped below it for maybe two candles. Um, then, of course, March of 2020, we just talked about that. It did dip below that. Um, as a matter of fact, it went down about 30% below it, but only for, uh, only for just one week. As it, as it bounced back up pretty quickly. Um, and here right now today, we're sitting right on that 200 weekly moving average. So historically speaking, it has been the best buying opportunity to buy in at that price. Now, we don't know if history repeats. Uh, as, as any financial advisor will tell you, and I'm certainly not one, but any financial advisor would tell you that uh, past performance is no guarantee of future. So we don't know that. Uh, but like I said, it's been a what, what some people uh, call a generational buying opportunity. I think it's a little bit uh, too much hype for me to use, uh, but it's traditionally been a very good point. Now, you know, records are meant to be broken. So could it drop below that? It certainly can, but it looks like it has massive amounts of, um, of interest there. Whenever it gets down to that level, uh, people are just buying it up like crazy. And so that's what we're seeing. Um, but at the same time, we've never really been, we've never seen Bitcoin in this uh, current market environment that we're in today. And so what do I mean by that? Well, Bitcoin has only been around since 2009. And since 2009, we've in, been in a long-term secular bull market. That means the markets have just been going up since 2009. Now, there has been some dips, don't get me wrong, but those are called cyclical dips. So those are short-term dips inside of a long uptrend market. And so Bitcoin's only been around for that. Now, we don't know, but it looks like there's a good probability that we could be going into a long-term secular downtrend market. And we don't know how Bitcoin will respond in that. And so we don't know. And so trying to use this as history, um, it doesn't guarantee anything. It, de it definitely doesn't guarantee anything at all. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's sitting at that support, which has historically been a pretty good place to buy. <sighs> so anyway, um, the other cryptocurrencies, you know, they're kind of following that. Now, most of the big... Uh, big name ones are down even worse than that, if you can believe it. It looks like Ethereum is sitting right on that weekly 200 moving average as well. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens here. It's been a good day for the stocks. We saw that uh, pretty much the entire stock market, the ones at least I'm looking at, are in the green, meaning they're up. Um, and it's weird because they rallied off of the Fed's announcement. So the Fed came out and announced today that they are raising rates um, by a whole whopping 0.75%. It's not so much uh, how big the raise was. It's more about the percentage gain of that raise. And um, what's interesting is that they're doing this to try to calm the markets, to make pretend like they have some control over that which of course they don't. And it looks like they're losing control because of the way the market responded to it. And so it was interesting when they raised rates, which they're supposed to, or they're hoping to crush the market or crash the market because of that, um, it actually responded the other way. And actually what happened is... <laughs> The markets went up. We saw gold go up. We saw Bitcoin go up. We saw stocks go up. We saw the dollar index go down, which is very interesting. And it almost means that the market doesn't believe that the Fed has control. And that's, that's exactly what I'm seeing here. Um, love to hear what you think. Um, if you're not following me on Twitter or on uh, social media at all, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at the number one Mark Moss. That's just the number one uh, numeral, uh, the numeral one, not spelled out. But uh, hit me up on there. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. But it's interesting. Um, if we look at this, you know, they're trying to tackle inflation, supposedly. <laughs> I say supposedly. They are. And, and that's because inflation continues to run hot. Now, um, I talk about this all the time, so I'm sorry, but uh, it's not the definition of uh, inflation that I typically go with or what the Austrian economists would think of inflation, but they're talking about prices going up. And so prices are going up at the highest rate we've seen in 40 years, which goes back to the 80s. Now, it's interesting if you break that down because we have inflation, uh, they just CPI, consumer price inflation, came out at 86 
So we haven't seen that high of CPI since the 80s. Now, it's interesting, though, because in the 80s, we measured CPI completely differently. So the way CPI is supposed to work is that you measure, if I went to the grocery store and bought a basket of goods and I had uh, steak and milk and cheese, and then every single year you measure that uh, T-bone and the pound of meat, you know, T-bone and, and cheese and milk. And every year I went back to the store and I bought the exact same thing and you measure the price over time. But what they do is they change the basket. So they continue to change the basket to manipulate that number lower. There's a company called Shadow Stats that tracks it like they started out tracking it. Now their number comes out at over 17% inflation. So they say it's the highest we've been in seven in uh, in 40 years, um, but that's with their manipulated down number. The reality is is that we are more than double where we were 40 years ago, which is pretty interesting. I think it's pretty easy to see. Uh, all we see and hear is the talk of inflation, inflation, inflation. In my limited amount of uh, market research, let me know if I'm wrong, but in my limited amount of market research, um, talking to my parents <laughs> and some other old people that were around and remember back then, they don't remember it being as big of a deal as it is today. And so at that time, Paul Volcker, he was the Fed chair, he decided to get crazy and he was going to raise interest rates so high that he was going to get in front of it. And he did. He took interest rates from 10% to 20%, if you can imagine that, inside of about three years, I believe it was. So that's a 100% increase in within a couple of years. But the Fed, they've done more. Now, I get it's only 0.25, but it's the percentage of change. And we're looking at about a 150% increase in months as opposed to a 100% increase in years. Now, imagine if your borrowing costs shot up by 100%, 150% in months. And that's where we're at. It's the percentage that matters. So hopefully that makes sense. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. And we're talking about the greater macro markets that are affecting um, all our investments, our money, and ultimately our livelihood. It's insane that somebody, um, Jerome Powell at the Federal Reserve, has the power to increase the money supply and make us feel wealthy and take it away and make us feel poor. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, I'm going to come back. I got a lot more to cover in a minute. You're going to want to hear it. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about the decentralized revolution that is changing the world as we know it. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, the markets and politics and finance and technology and all these good things that you want to know about if you're trying to make context of what's going on in the world today. Uh, We're talking about uh, Bitcoin and, and the drop in prices. We covered some of that. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, I call this the decentralized revolution. So I talk about the, the, the world is, is like on a pendulum and it swings back and forth on a 250 year time frame and it swings towards centralization, globalization, and then it pushes back and swings to decentralization. 250 years ago, the American Revolution pushed back on the centralization of the monarchy and set up a decentralized government. Of course, the United States was a republic. 250 years before that was the Protestant Reformation, which saw the uh, pushback on the, the church and state. And here we are again, pushing back on the centralization that we can see from the World Economic Forum and Health Organization and on and on and on. But it's changing a lot of things. And uh, kind of like uh, software changed everything. It, the software ate the world, they say, right? And um, it changed the way that we consume content. It changed the way that we communicate. It, it wiped out books and music and movies and so much more. And now we're seeing Bitcoin and this decentralized technology doing the same thing. And it's pretty amazing to sit back and watch. And it's, it's happening so fast that it's starting to make governments look incompetent and irrelevant. And the more they try to fight this, I think the more incompetent and the more irrelevant they look. Now, you may think this is a bad thing. I particularly think it's a good thing. And so let's, t- let's take a look at that. So some of the things that I'm looking at, so obviously with Bitcoin, that's, a, that's an easy one. We'll talk about that for a second, then we'll talk about another one. But obviously with Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, um, we have um, now used software to have a way that we could store value, right? Think bigger than just money and dollars. We now have a, a software, a cryptographic software that allows us to store value in a way that can't be stolen. And if I want to transmit it to somebody, nobody can stop it, block it, or prevent it. And it's code. And now we've seen over in the EU, um, they're trying to pass bills that say you can't self-custody your own Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. In the United States, people are talking about it. We haven't gotten to the point where they're really trying to do that. But think about this. It's cryptography. It's code. Code is ones and zeros. It's code. Now, uh, the United States tried to outlaw cryptography at one point. It went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, you can't outlaw this. It's protected under free speech because, look, it's code. They printed it out. It was on paper. How can you ban free speech? You can't. Um, and so it, it's already been upheld by the Supreme Court, but of course in other nations they could do it, and maybe, you know, who knows, the United States are trying to get around the Constitution every chance they get these days. But think about this. With Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, I can store my, my value cryptographically, and all I have to know is 12 words in my head. I could store $1, 1000 a $1 million, a billion, however much I had, and I don't need any device. I don't need any piece of paper. All I need to know is 12 words in my head for the code for that cryptographic key. So is the government going to make it illegal for me to memorize 12 words? (laughs) I mean, think about the insanity of that. 
They're going to make it illegal. So now, so now, oh, nope, you can't know those 12. You can know other things. You, you can remember other things, but you can't know those, those, those words. Like, how, how does that work? I mean, the insanity of it. And so when you start to see governments trying to pass laws that say you can't know certain words in your head, <laughs> they start to look irrelevant and incompetent. Now, you may think that's a bad thing. Uh, maybe if you're a statist and you think the government should have complete control over us, I'm a freedom maximalist. I believe in freedom. I believe that everything in life has a trade-off, a cost-benefit, all right? And so um, tools can be used for good and bad. Look, tools can be used for good and bad, and they do. Um, baseball bats, they're used for lots of good. Lots of kids have fun. I mean, pro sports, playing baseball. And sometimes they're used as a weapon, and they really hurt people. Does that mean we should ban all baseball bats? Of course, the answer is no. And so we could look at the money. Um, should we make it where no one's allowed to hold their own wealth in a way that the government can't steal it from them? Now, granted, okay, I mean, some people, some terrorists, I guess, could use money to do terrorist things. But should nobody be allowed to hold money where the government can't steal it because maybe potentially a couple terrorists might use it? In my opinion, of course, the answer is no. You know, terrorists don't just use money to do bad things. They also use cars to drive around. They also use phones to communicate. I bet they even eat food and drink water. Should we ban all those things too? <laughs> and of course, that's ridiculous because of course, no, we're not going to ban food and water. Why? Because the benefit of food and water is so much greater than, than the risk. And so we have to look at things like that. And so I think that people should be free to do what they want. Um, now we have... Uh, something else. Now we see in the United States, there's an attack on guns, but that's also been digitized. And so now we have 3D printed guns. And with these 3D printed guns now, it's code. I can know the code in my head. They want to ban, they want to ban me having access to that, but I can just memorize it and I could just give it to somebody else. And now we have a 3D printer that can print those. And there's an article that just came out, was pretty interesting, that a YouTuber 3D prints the world's first rocket launcher. Wow. 3D printing has revolutionized gun making has come a long way since a single shot liberator pistol was available for download in 2013. Now entire semiotic pistol carbines can be entirely printed at home. And now it's graduated to rocket launchers. That's pretty amazing. Now, rocket launchers could be good, used for good and bad, I suppose. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of dangerous. You wouldn't want those to end up in the wrong people's hands. But how do they stop it? And this is only going to continue, and this is the point. Um, and it's just interesting. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where I stand on this. Um, I certainly wouldn't want a bunch of guys just having rocket launchers. Um, if they wanted to use those for bad. But I suppose those same bad people could just get a car and drive it through a crowd. And those same bad people could go to the hardware store and get all the pieces they need to create, you know, a massive explosive. So I suppose if somebody wanted to inflict pain, there's lots of ways they could do it. <laughs> and they can't really stop it anyway. Um, Again, I'm not here to uh, to uh, really take sides on this, but I think it's interesting. I am taking sides on the money. You know, when the government tells you that you shouldn't do drugs, it doesn't make you want to do drugs. But when the government tells you that you don't have the right to store your wealth in a way that we can't steal from you, it makes me want to do that. Just like in the United States, every time they start talking about, talking about banning guns, gun sales go up. And so... Um, I think it's interesting. I think the more they try to um, squash it, the more, like I said, irrelevant they look. I mean, look at what they've done with the war on drugs. Um, for the last 40 years, now 50 years now, they've been trying to fight this war on drugs. Trillions of dollars have been spent trying to fight this war on drugs. And drugs have to be grown and cultivated, and they have to be processed and packaged, and they have to be shipped, and they have to be smuggled, and they have to be distributed, and all these things. And they can't even stop that. They can't even stop him from going into a prison. How the heck are they going to stop Bitcoin that's completely digital and anonymous and transparent? The answer is they can't, and they won't. And I believe they don't even want to. And I've covered that before. You can go back into my um, 
you go back into the podcast and you can look. I spent a couple of weeks on the podcast going through every single talking point of why Bitcoin won't work. They're going to make it illegal. They want to make it illegal. They're going to crash it on and on and on. Um, and I answered those. So go check out the podcast if you want to know um, all my reasons for why that won't happen. And of course, I'm a believer in Bitcoin. But one of the things I love about Bitcoin is it solved the oldest problem in history. The oldest problem since man was first on the earth is how do I store my property in a way that can't be stolen? That's it. So we we made a tribe and we made a village and we made a kingdom and we made a country to protect our private property. But now I can remember 12 words in my head. And so I believe it's the most revolutionary thing we've ever seen. You listen to the Mark Moss Show talking about the decentralized revolution. That's what I got for you today. All right. Thanks so much for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.